Um, in this morning, I want to explore something that in many ways I've been asking myself for probably the last 15 years, <laughs> which is, what is my part in growing in maturity, in transformation, in um, stepping into God's promises and prophetic calling, and which part is God's? Because uh, I think it's easiest for us to fall in two extremes. One extreme is like we're a hamster on a wheel, on a tr- or on a treadmill with white knuckles, getting exhausted, trying to make these things happen. On the other side is we can be completely passive, and we can be touched by God and receive prophetic words from God and promises from God, and be left completely unchanged. And I think it's interesting that in these verses we're going to look at this morning, we look at the man Moses and how Moses navigated this uh, sense of what's my part and what's God's part. So I'm going to read So it's uh, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he'd grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be ill-treated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. Did something fun this week. I just googled, how can I become an Olympic swimmer? <laughs> I don't know why I thought, thought that at all. <laughs> just thought, okay, and, it, and I found a website that told you how you could become an Olympic swimmer. And it said, number one, buy yourself some really, really good goggles. Because you'll be in the water a lot, and there's chloride, and your eyes might get sore. I can do that. I'm on my way. (laughs) Number two, buy yourself a really good kit bag because otherwise your clothes could get damp by the side of the pool. Can see the gold medal already. (laughs) Got my goggles, got my kit bag. Number three, work really hard. And there's lots of lists about enduring, and I think some of, you know you, you, you read the stories, don't you, of Olympic swimmers and the kids who get up at four in the morning to get to the pool to swim every single day five hours. I found another piece of research that was written in 19, a piece of research from 1993 that said, apparently, you can master any skill in 10,000 hours. Just a piece of research that said 10,000 hours, which is over a year, isn't it? Of every minute for a year or over a year, just giving yourself to any particular skill and you can master it, I guess, become competent in it. It's not extracted too far. I'm never going to be an Olympic swimmer, really, now. I've left it too late and I'm not that great a swimmer anyway. Although I did get a, um, a safety proficiency swimming thing in the 80s where you had to blow up your pyjamas yeah. and talk. Oh, yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah. 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 You had to be in the pool and you took, 
you, you're just swimming clothes, you took your pyjamas off and you blew air into your pyjamas and then you, that was school education. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it supposes that you're on a boat and it's sinking at night and you've got long pyjamas. <laughs> but 10,000 hours, I reckon. And, and, and it's true that anything worth achieving, anything, whatever you put your heart to, is going to require sacrifice and it's going to require pain. Anything. I mean, some of you know, you know, you've gone for careers, you've gone for jobs, you've gone through, through exams. You've, you, many of you know that, that reality that anything worth achieving has some pain and some sacrifice. And this, these verses say these remarkable things that Moses, Moses, when he'd grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be ill-treated along with the people of God rather than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He sacrificed what he said was momentary pleasure, which in reality in his story was 80 years. You know, he, he fled. There's 40 years away from e Egypt. And then he went back to lead the people out. He, he sacrificed that for the pain and the sacrifice of a better future. So actually a remarkable, remarkable account. Because Egypt, I mean, Egypt was amazing. <laughs> I mean, it was a place of safety, of ease. He was honoured, you know. He was known as Pharaoh's son. He, he was cared for, protected, educated, never hungry, the best chariots, the best status, all the wealth. And he turned from that and said, I'm not going to be self-serving. I want to understand this man. I want to understand the decisions that were going on in his heart and mind. This radical decision to say, I'm not going to live for 80 years of pleasure. I'm going to call it fleeting. What, what happened to you, Moses? What did you see? What did you encounter? How did you walk it through? And probably the key to it all is he saw him who is invisible. It says in 27, by faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. He saw God. He had an encounter with God. The only way we can understand his willingness to walk away from ease, comfort, safety and self-serving and call 80 years of pain, ill-treatment, rejection and call that fleeting was because he had seen him who is invisible. Yeah. <clears throat> and then we learn from this that hope in God, hope in God, a relationship with God, an encounter with God, a love affair with God, 
a walking, talking to God as friend, was the powerhouse behind every single decision he made. That he was willing to burn the bridges to Egypt because of, because of the fact he had seen him who is invisible. And that what we can learn is radical decision, life-changing sacrifice, pursuit of the prophetic and what God has promised, living a life that is willing to reject ease and comfort and even safety always starts with a connection with God. See, we can have rah, we have a rah, rah preach on this this morning. You know, here to change the world, we are. Here to be transformed, we are. Here to see Plumstead, Woolwich, Thamesmead, all these areas loved, we are. Rah, rah, rah preach. Come on, what are we doing about it? <laughs> we have to dig right down and say, where does this come from? Where does this radical thing come from? It comes from seeing him who is invisible. Because without that, we are on this side of the spectrum. We're hamsters on a wheel. We're on a treadmill. We're running hard. Got white knuckles and gritted teeth. Trying our best. But in the centre, we realise it all starts with, I've seen him who is invisible. Some people describe it as we breathe in God and we breathe out mission and comparison oh, and compassion. But it starts with a, an encounter with God. And then he saw God's vision. He saw what God wanted to do. <coughs> he understood that God's prophetic purpose that he had spoken 400 odd years before, hundreds of years before to Abraham, it, it was now. That these people who had been in slavery for 400 years, that God had a vision for them, that God loved them, and that God was going to come to them as a shepherd as a redeemer, as a rescuer, and bring them out. Comes a little later in clarity, 40 years later at the burning bush, but he gets gripped by, God's got a vision, God's got a plan, God's got a purpose, God wants to do something. So he sees God, he sees God who is invisible, and then he sees that God has a plan, that God has prophetic purposes, that God wants to do something. So he's getting gripped by, wow, I'm, I'm being drawn into the story of the creator and what he wants to do in the earth. 
And then he was looking ahead to his reward. He's captivated by God, captivated by God's vision of what God has promised, and gripped by the fact there's a payoff for me in this. So he does the maths. He thinks, okay, I could spend the next 80 years in Egypt. It can be easy. I can be honoured. I can be a prince. I can have wealth. I can have all the benefits of being part of this amazing civilization, or I can choose disgrace for the sake of Christ, and I can be ill-treated along with the people of God. And he thought, he did did the maths in his head, and he had such a revelation of God and God's purpose, he considered to know Christ, to make Christ known, to pursue God, to give himself wholeheartedly to the purposes of God was of greater value than all of Egypt. There's a logic in the Gospel. See, legalism doesn't really give you that logic. It just says, come on, do better, do better, please God, impress God, get on the treadmill, get on the hamster wheel, get white knuckles, get gritted teeth, do more, do more. But relationship with God brings you to the place where you just do the calculations. You begin to think the reward of knowing him, the payoff of following him, the payoff of being gripped by his vision and what he wants to do, that gives me a superior reason, a superior motivation than anything that Egypt can offer. It's radical, isn't it? And so we embrace pain, reproach, mistreatment, ridicule, and he refused what was immediately enjoyable and pleasing and offered immediate reward for a long-term perspective. I think that's what God wants to do among us. He wants to meet with us with such love and such kindness and such grace that we actually get spoiled by love. So that we're neither driven on this hand or passive on this hand, but we are co-labouring sons and daughters of a loving father. That he's not prizing things out of our hand so that we are reluctant but love causes us to calculate the reward and willingly say, I'm fully yours. Because when I look at the maths, everything else is too small a payoff. And that's why it says it was by faith. By faith he believed, he trusted, he abandoned himself, he surrendered himself to God. By faith. And faith can be described as connection to God. I'm connected to God. I'm drawing on God. I've seen him who is invisible. So God 
comes to us like on mornings like this morning, and just to remind us, like of Ephesians 2.10, that you are, each person in here is God's workmanship. Every single person here. You are God's masterpiece. Hearing this week about great painters, great sculptors, great filmmakers, great architects often have the one masterpiece of their career. You know, maybe Da Vinci's got more than one. <laughs> but they have the, the high point of their career, the painting that they're known by, the sculpture that's their high point, their masterpiece, the wonderful moment where all of their training, their 10,000 hours, as it were, all came to this masterpiece. And God's so creative that he can make billions of masterpieces. And throughout history, billions upon billions. So each person can say, I am God's masterpiece. I am the pinnacle of his creativity. And each person can say that. So there's no competition, there's no comparison... Because we all are a masterpiece. Every single one of us, an amazing masterpiece. Other translations say of Ephesians 2.10, we are God's poem to the world. That when people read us, they get a revelation of his glory and his beauty and his grace and his personality and his character. We all get to put him on display in the most unique and wonderful ways. In, in the whole of our lives, in the way that we love, the way that we parent, the way that we work, the way that we interact with other people, the way that we do our hobbies, the way that we play, the way that we're still and rest, things that we're looking at in the wholehearted life series, in the whole of our lives, yes. every part of it. Amen. It's all kind of spiritual because we are his masterpiece and we get to display him with the whole of our lives so the great thing about following Jesus is that there are things to do as that masterpiece not just things to avoid because I think when we read this verse like um, he refused to be known as Pharaoh's daughter he chose to be ill-treated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. We often think of Christianity as, as just a list of things to avoid, things that the believer doesn't do. But Moses said, I'm saying no to all of Egypt because I've said yes to something. I've said yes to something. He said no to anything that would distract him and no to anything that would get him off course. He's seen God. He's seen God's purposes. He's seen the reward. And then he says, I'm going to say no to anything that distracts me, gets me off course. And I'm going to say yes to everything that catapults me towards me, fulfilling what I'm on earth for. Hebrews 12 said, says, we, we lay aside, we cast off every hindrance and every sin and everything that slows us down Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning and shame. So we see in Jesus, one who is captivated by the mission of the Father, 
so that he's saying no to stuff because he said yes to the father. Mm-hmm. Even when that was severely tested in Gethsemane, when he said, is there another way apart from the cross? And he wrestles with it, agonises over it, and then he, he, he comes to that place, he says, not what I want, but what you want. Because mm-hmm. I've, I've seen you, Father. I know what you want to do in the earth through the cross. And I see the reward, the joy set before me, which is you and me getting justified, sanctified, forgiven, brought home, brought into the family, and becoming co-laborers with him. So there are things to say no to, yeah, because we've got a really, really, really big yes. So if the, if, if the, the, pinnacle, the pinnacle of Christianity is not to go through a week where I didn't sin. The pinnacle of Christianity is, I said yes to display his glory with everything that I am. Everything that I am. Somebody once said that, do you remember accountability? You know, like someone once said, I don't want to be accountable for not smoking. I want to be held accountable for burning with passion. Do you feel the difference? Like, I want to be accountable for every part of my life burning for him. That every part of who I am displaying who he is. Not just a meeting where you say, did you... Yeah, there are things to avoid, clearly. There are things that slow us down. There are weights and things that stop us running fast. But we cast them off because of the great yes. I'm running a race. I'm displaying Christ. I've got this great reward. We're the hope of the earth. We are the hope of the earth. We are. There is no other answer on planet earth apart from the church. There isn't. We love, governments are amazing. Charities are amazing. Social action is amazing. There is no answer on... No one else has the answer. No one else does. No one else knows what to do about the human heart. Prison system doesn't know. Hospitals don't know. Mental health don't know. Social action don't know. Governments don't know. No one can change the human heart. Apart from the gospel. Which gives us a new heart. A new heart of flesh. Which wants to please him and love him. No one else has got the answer called Holy Spirit. Who rubs off on us. Who fills us with joy and gentleness and faithfulness and love and hope. No one else has that. You know, you can have over here lots of modification programs and lots of self-discipline, but that doesn't change the human heart. Only you and me, only you and me have the answer. Jesus is the only answer. There isn't another answer. There isn't. Just because something works doesn't mean it's the answer. Yeah? Just because something can give a person... Some joy and some peace and some freedom doesn't mean it's the answer. It just means it's, 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 it's an answer. There are answers in common grace, human wisdom. Yeah? But no one has the ultimate answer. But the only hope in life and the only hope in death is that a person can say, I belong. I belong to God. Everything else is temporal. It doesn't last. 
won't prove it, won't prove, won't go on into eternity and start now. So we're caught up in this amazing, amazing thing. We have seen something that Moses didn't even see. Moses could look ahead. He, didn't, he doesn't look back and see the finished work of Christ. Yeah. Holy Spirit came on special people at special times for special things. Moses had encounters with the goodness and glory of God. God spoke to Moses as a friend speaks face to face. But Paul says that that was inferior compared to what we've got. He said if the old deal that Moses had could leave you glowing with glory, how much more now that we've got this superior deal with unveiled faces we behold him and are transformed in his presence? We've got a superior deal. We've got a superior covenant, a superior set of promises. Everything is upgraded in comparison to Moses. And Moses, with an inferior deal, not as good as what we've got, said 80 years, nothing. Absolutely nothing. Fleeting pleasure. Wow. Fleeting pleasure compared to him, his vision, and my reward in him. a whole bunch of 80 of us captivated by Christ ruined by love caught up with his vision for the earth his apostolic vision for the earth on earth as it is in heaven settlement after settlement filled with hope, joy, peace pockets of heaven all over the place radically in love We're about a, a, a revolution. Amen. Seriously, a, 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 we're about something that's huge. I was reading a very helpful thing this week. It said most revolutions, you know, the overthrow of government, the radical um, embrace of freedom, happens through evolution rather than just through one single moment. In other words, it grows, like Jesus said, like a mustard seed, insignificant, one or two hearts grows. People start chatting in coffee places. There's another way. There's freedom. It grows, it grows, it grows, it grows. Then it has a flashpoint. And there's an overthrow. And freedom breaks in. Uncontrollable. Just reading this week about what happened in Poland, in, I think in 1981, where the Pope spoke in Poland. A Polish Pope spoke to the people. He gave a message that ignited something in one man's heart who became the catalyst to a revolution. Who was saying actually it was a little evolution all over the place. People were chatting, people were talking, people were talking about another way. It's like how a river starts in a mountain with drop, drop drop, a little bit of ice melts, a bit of snow melts, trickle, tiny, insignificant. Goes down the mountain, grows, other streams from other places gather into it. Before you know it, it's growing and growing and growing and it's unstoppable. And over time will work its way through rocks, create amazing waterfalls, become this huge river and flow into the sea. Yeah. 
Sometimes God, as Chris Allison says, takes a long while to act suddenly. I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh, he says. Hundreds of years go by. They're in a room. Sound of wind, fire. Whoa, we're out in the streets. Thousands added. The promise has come. Peter said, this is it. This is the promise. He, is going to, he said he was pouring out his spirit on all flesh. It's happening now. All before this, this shadows and pictures and whispers. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. Hundreds of years in slavery for Egypt. Got a promise. We're going to have a land. It's a hand flowing with milk and honey. We're going to plant. We're, going to, we're not going to be slaves anymore. Decade after decade after decade. 100 years, 200 years, 300 years, 400 years. Boom. God speaks to Moses. It's been, it's been a trickle. It's been drips in the mountain. And suddenly, here is one man who's saying, I've seen you. I've seen your vision. I've seen your reward. Yes, 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 yes. And so where is workmanship? Where is once in a lifetime? You are a once in a lifetime person. There's no one else on planet earth like you. All heaven is looking on to see what are you going to do with the reality that you are his poem. What are they going to do? What are they going to do? Jesus is praying, he's spurring you and all the crowds of witnesses are looking on and saying, what are they going to do with it? I can't wait for this to go boom. It doesn't have to be, like we're saying in the Polish Revolution, there was a key person, there were lots and lots of people. Lots of people. Same with the church, there were lots of people. You might have got a prophetic word when the team were here. You were reading the Bible, God spoke to you. There are new things and new things to give yourself to. But let me finish with this. When God speaks a new thing and invite you into a new thing, that's not always easy at first. Yeah? If in the natural, it takes 10,000 hours to say, for example, pick up the violin and master it, for example, that you decide, I'm going to learn the violin. At the beginning, it's going to sound pretty awful, isn't it? And, but 10,000 hours later, you're going to be sounding pretty good. And that's the same with everything in God. There are the suddenlies, but every sudden moment of freedom I've experienced has always been a journey of him wooing me, drawing me, captivating me. And then there are, wow, there you go. I love the line in the song. It says, the song called Thank You, it says, We're often scared of the pain that comes with trust. So we we come to the area where we think, actually, I want to master this. I'm going to master trust in this area, or that area, or this thing. And when we come to it, we're scared of the pain. Do you have what I need, God? Are you dependable? God. And in the song it says, I turned away but you had your arms open wide and I turned back and you were still there waiting for me. Still here. Do you want to trust me? Oh. 
a bit scared. A bit scared. I don't know if you've got what I need. I've been let down before. I've been hurt before. Are you dependable? Can I really trust you? Will you hurt me? Will you abandon me? Are you everything you've said you are? Sometimes it's like that with trusting God on a single issue. Sometimes it's 10,000 hours of coming back, of coming back, of coming back. I want to trust you. I want to believe you. Let's just say one thing on that. It's so important that even on the areas of personal transformation, that it all comes out of, I've seen him who is invisible. Mm. I had an interesting meeting at Katrina's house, and we were, t- I think we were talking about personal freedom, and I was talking about my own journey, personal freedom, and the things that we, I do, and the practices that I do, and I'm a very intentional person, okay? I'm a very disciplined person, I've got lots of practices that I use to, to connect and engage with God. Okay, I'm like a bull, or like a dog with a bone, alright, I don't let go. And, um, and so I'm talking about my practices and the things I do, and Katrina said, that, that sounds like a lot of hard work. And I said, proudly, yes it is. <laughs> and God said you're wrong <laughs> I like it when God speaks so directly <laughs> it got me to think what am I wrong because everything flows out of I'm meeting him who is invisible yeah. I, I might have things that I do to renew the mind, and it's good, they're good practices, and I still do them, but ultimately, it starts with, I've seen him who is invisible, I'm not modifying, changing, transforming myself by gritted teeth, so my issue would never be passivity, my, my temptation is not passivity, my temptation is overzealous drivenness, hamster on the wheel, running, gritted teeth, going to do it, going to do it, going to do it. And you can't do it that way. It comes from a place of abandonment, trust and surrender to seeing him who's invisible and seeing what he wants to do. So the overpowering message of today is live for the moment. The overpowering message of today is Live for the moment, overnight success, get there without any effort. And I think X Factor loves it when they can say, she never had a singing lesson. And she's never sung in public before. And now she's on Wembley Arena singing for 7,000 people. That's why we make this show, to find people like you. What, people who have never ever worked at anything and just arrived? Oh, it doesn't exist. What they tell, don't tell you is a story. They were in Brit school. We don't want that story. Because <laughs> if we tell that story, we haven't found this for people like you. Just arrived. <laughs> <laughs> With the voice of an angel who's never even sung, <laughs> apart from when I found you. Ten thousand hours. <laughs> yeah. That's the truth, isn't it? Ten thousand hours, probably. 
Can you see why I've explored this for so many decades? Because we don't want to fall into, I'm driven. We don't want to be passive. We want to trust him. There's a guy who said, God is not obligated to fulfill your potential. He's not obligated to shove you into your destiny. He's tender and loving. And he's the prodigal, he's the father who will wait for the prodigal son to come running back. But somehow we have this choice that we can live for comfort, convenience and avoiding difficulty. Rather than the decision, I, am, I have to cast this off. Because I've got to run with endurance the race marked out for me. I've got, I've got, it's got to go. And so it's not me modifying myself and I'm not going to be passive and just wait for him to touch me, but I'm going to do, I'm just going to be in his presence. I'm going to worship him. I'm going to engage with him. I'm going to let him woo me. I'm going to let him touch me. I'm going to let him draw me. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit speak to me. I'm going to walk by the Holy Spirit. Since I live by the Spirit, I'm going to obey the Spirit every day. I'm going to be living to be near Him. I'm going to recognise I'm frail, I'm limited, I'm weak. And I need Him. And when He speaks, I want to obey Him. So Moses, let's finish here, Moses didn't endure for endurance's sake. He endured because he had a promise. If you forget the promise, you forget the reason why you're enduring. It's not just to hang in there and say when Jesus, you get to be Jesus, I just, I endured, I I just hung in there. There were, there were, there were moments that I was wooing you into something. And let me just say this, the promise, the enduring for the promise, isn't necessarily spectacular public things, some of the most beautiful moments, some of the most amazing moments, are when no one's looking, when the eyes of the world don't see it, when it's just you and God saying, I love you, I worship you, I choose to trust you, I choose to keep going, no one's looking, no one sees, I'm not quitting on you God, I'm going to go for you God, I'm going to let you love me. Some of the most beautiful moments are drip, drip, drip. It's becoming a river. It may only be a stream at the moment, but something's evolving, something's changing, something's gradually being heated up. Moment by moment by moment. On Friday, we were out treasure hunting. Had this clue. Man called Stephen. Just look for the just the name Stephen. And I was with a lady called Carolyn who goes to St John's up the road. And there was a man sitting near Tesco. And Carolyn said, "Shall we talk to him?" I, I said, uh, I find him quite intimidating, to be honest. 
you can. <laughs> so she started to engage with the man and just said, what's your name? And she, he said, Stephen. Stephen! I'm down, I'm on the floor with him. What do you need? Blah, blah, blah. He's a, he's a backslidden Christian, he's away from God. Pray for the Holy Spirit. wonderful moment when you're just there in weakness, in humanity, in fear, in, in intimidation and you're there and there's this opportunity and when I started going out on the streets I had to be just like I've said to you many times I would prefer to have my earphones in my ears and just get A to B come on I'm a ship <laughs> spend some time with God don't want to know anybody, don't want to see anybody. <laughs> First people we went up to, when we said, I've got to grow in this, I need to learn this. We got up to people, whammed your leg, pray for them, run off. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely terrified. Until this week, we went up to a guy, had, the right, had a clue, Wayne, we prayed for his ribs, we asked him if anything had happened, we were praying and expecting for Jesus to heal. I thought, no, that's four years of going from I don't want to speak to anybody to we're getting a clue that, that it hits and we're pausing, we're asking, we're expecting. <laughs> Another lady who'd lost a baby, Vanessa, hugged Karen and hugged me when we just brought her the fact that Father knows you, loves you, sees what you've been through. Anything we want to grow in probably is 10,000 hours. Am I where I want to be? No. Where am I going? I'm going to see what the Holy Spirit's doing in the streets. I'm going to be more bold. I'm going to grow in grace, grow in love, grow in compassion, grow in courage. I'm going to see more. Where I am right now, we're intimidated by this guy. Oh, got the clue right. Wow, in. Wow, I'm surprised by myself. Jamie, that's not what you would have been doing four years ago. You probably wouldn't have even told him that you had the clue. That's progress. Celebrate it. I'm going to pray for us. Yeah, Jesus, we we thank you for we thank you for the quiet revolution that's happening in our hearts. We thank you for the way you're maturing us bit by bit by bit. That you're growing us and that you're changing us. We thank you for what happens in your presence. We thank you we're transformed as we behold you, as we spend time with you. We're transformed as you whisper your purposes into our hearts, as we get captivated by your vision, by who you are and the reward that you, you have. I pray for each person here, Holy Spirit, for a real sense of you are God's workmanship. You are God's masterpiece. You are God's once in a lifetime. That there be just such a sense of I am amazing because of how he made me. And there be freedom from comparison, freedom from performance, freedom from competition, freedom to be who you are, freedom to explore who you are, freedom to bring the amazing grace gifts that you carry to the community here and to the community around and to your families. I pray God for courage for people that when they're choosing to trust, 
the, the, the pain they feel when it comes to, I, I, I'm, I feel terrified of abandoning and trusting God. I pray for real liberty of keep coming back to him, keep letting him love you, keep letting the Holy Spirit convince you that God is as good as he says he is, as trustworthy as he says he is, as faithful as he trust, says he is, as dependable as he says he is. Just let him woo you and draw you. Just God will just remind you that he's not frustrated with you. He's not irritated with you. He's not irritated even at the pace that we grow. He says we're right on time. In fact, we're a little more ahead of the curve than you realise. I'm not frustrated with you. Just keep coming back in my presence. Let Holy Spirit draw you. Let the Holy Spirit rub off on you. Let the Holy Spirit do things in your heart. He's going to be the one who makes love come real joy become real, hope become real, gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. I pray for each person here to have a huge yes to you, God, that as a church we'd have a huge yes to you, God, and that we'd have a huge no to anything that would distract us, anything that would take us off course, anything that would slow us down or hinder us, and that because we'd be motivated by love. Yeah, guard us from the two extremes, God. Guard us from performance and drivenness and perfectionism and white knuckles and hamster wheels. Guard us from passivity, God, and just letting go and letting God and seeing and saying, if God wants to do it, he can do it. But help us to be in the wonderful central middle where we just love on you, get captivated by what you, what you are doing in the earth and seeing the great reward that this is all worth it. So, Lord Jesus Christ, we say, we want to say as a community, yes to your purposes and yes to who you are. And I pray, God, for real freedom from any form of legalism and any kind of, I'm doing this to try and earn love. That you would know you're loved and then you would say yes and no out of love and not for love. That we don't work for love, we work out of love and because of love. Yeah, so Holy Spirit, we just draw on you now. We say, come Holy Spirit. I ask you to stand.